very excited for this year because everything I've done up until this point has gotten me ready for, I think, 2020 being the year that everything finally comes to fruition. Working Fans Podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ, I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us, as we do every week. Our producer, Joe, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. This is Roy Lusher, and you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. What were some of your highlights of 2019? And what kind of do you have planned for going forward for 2020? Highlights of 2019. Let's see. Akiyama coming to the United States was a huge deal. My wife says me. My wife says I should start by saying that I got to meet Tom McGee. Huh? <laughs> you did get to meet him finally. Yes. <laughs> so uh, there's an obsession with Tom McGee. Now, many of you out there remember him as the other half of the Bret Hart match. Right. I remember Tom McGee from his infamous run of Japan, or his two runs of Japan, actually, where he had the matches with uh, Ricky Choshu in the rounds match, and then they brought him back a year and a half later in the match with uh, Hiroshi Wajima that won the Observer Worst Match of the Year in 87. And then, you know, he had that match with Bret Hart and stuff like that. Well, StarCast ended up happening in Vegas, and lo and behold, I was just like, out of hell with it. So I talked to my wife about it, and I flew out to StarCast to, for McGee and Kenta Kobashi and Arn Anderson and Rock and Roll Express and Magnum TA, and that, that was a really good time. And Teddy Hart ran a show at the Nerd the night before Starcast as well, or well, there was a what was the AEW show going on that time? Double or nothing? Yeah, I think yeah. Was, yeah. So, yeah, there was the day before he ran a show at like midnight at the Nerd in Vegas. It's a nice little bar there where the owner is a huge pro wrestling fan, so he tries to run wrestling events there, you know, every every couple months. And that was like a fun show with a bunch of like drunk up fans yeah. from. 12 to 3 in the morning and the main event ended up being engaged with Jimmy Jacobs in a death match that was, that was just or Jimmy Lloyd in a death match that was just insane but they ran a tag tournament that was a hell of a great time attending Expo Lucha now by the way as far as Expo Lucha by the way I did want to say this because it, it leads into 2020 last year's Expo Lucha out of every event that my wife and I attended we would say by far Expo Lucha was the best 
they are dedicated to bringing in a bunch of top names and next year they're running it at the ECW arena August 15th and 16th so I'm actually going out for it I'm actually taking part in a panel for the event where I'm going to be up there with the creators of Boss Fight Boss Fight Studio and we talk about classic lucha figures and the next current line of, of lucha figures that they're going to be coming out with like the Pentagon and Phoenix and stuff like that but what the Expo Lucha they uh, you get the ticket and it's like you get two days of wrestling four different events there's a whole bunch of wrestlers just standing around that you know they're easily accessible get a pic and an autograph if you want sit there and talk to them they bring merchandise if you're into buying masks this is the place to go to do it you know they bring the the smaller masks for kids and they bring the high grade ones you know as well but that Expo Lucha is by far the best bang for the buck that I have ever you know seen as far as being a Lucha fan because you go to an event like StarCast each wrestler is a la carte like you know your ticket is like 20 bucks 50 bucks 40 bucks at the Expo Lucha it's like you get in and pretty much everyone is taking you, you you don't have to spend any extra in order to get the wrestlers picks and autographs as far as, as 2020 by the way i also got mexico city planned for the first time i'm finally taking the dive and going down there in march for two weeks to go see whatever wrestling shows are taking place while i'm down there that's got to be major going to where they put it on and see it in its natural habitat yeah yeah, I, I just, I've been in NorCal and SoCal my whole life and, you know, Vegas a few times, but it, it's finally going to be good to, you know, be able to finally go to what I've been seeing on TV since my youth and be there and live and in person for a change. That's that's going to be huge for me and Cauliflower Alley in April. Yeah, 2020 shaping up to be a pretty good year. Welcome everybody to the year end edition. This is our season finale. Next week, you're going to get a best of. You're going to get some lost audio files in there. It's going to be a good time. But this week, we kind of want to recap our year as a podcast because we debuted the same week as Arn Anderson. And even before that, we had been developing the podcast for, I'd say, month, month and a half. Dave, AJ, when did this first become an idea between you two? I would say, and he can correct me if I'm wrong on this, this was maybe last year sometime we had... A talk. We were at a restaurant, and I brought up, "Was it possible? Do you think we could do a podcast?" That sound about right. Yeah, it sounds right. Now, before we even go into that, years ago, I had talked to Dave. Hey, you know, we should do something radio-like or something mm. where we're going to have an opportunity to branch out into this. And for years, we put it off. And then Dave came back with at me last year, like he said, with, "Hey, what do you think about doing a podcast?" And I'm like, "Oh, you're a genius." <laughs> Well, it definitely was probably years ago. <laughs> we, we talked about a lot of things in the past year, but I would say the Chewy's conversation was the metamorphosis for this. And I would say that uh, we we went back and forth on a lot of different ideas. Indie wrestling with an edge is still out there, folks, if you see that Twitter handle. We had a bunch of stuff we talked about, and I will give uh, AJ the credit for this. And it just wasn't... A name, we hadn't thrown you out there yet at this time, but Aiden was the one who said, we need a third guy. We need to get a producer on somebody on this. That sounds about accurate, I would say, right? Yeah, and he said, you know, I've got this friend who does nothing. Let me get a hold of him. And yeah. I said, that sounds brilliant. Uh, no, I think... <laughs> I don't even remember if I had anybody a name. I remember uh, 
I remember now, how did we and you talk about this the first time? Oh, I probably, I know about this time last year, if not the year before, I had been talking with someone about doing like an MLW review podcast. Right. But I never thought I had enough of an idea to really put something out. I'm sure we talked at times about like, oh, if you, I might have heard you were doing a podcast. And I'm right. like, hey, if you ever need somebody, I've got a base understanding of recording. And you two hung out for the first time last year at NXT TakeOver. Yeah, believe, believe it or not, Dave actually had mentioned you after a show. He had mentioned you after... We had talked about it as a third person, and I went, oh, yeah, Joe, he's the one that we, me and Scott traveled to New York with to watch NXT at Brooklyn. And he said, absolutely. And I knew at that moment that you had the passion to actually be a third person for this because of those talks that we had in the car on the way down there and then on the way back. Yeah, when I talk, I seem to, like almost have to have deep knowledge in everything I say. Like, oh yeah, no, I'm familiar with that guy. He wrestled as this guy 10 years ago. You balance us out well because we both have very good knowledge, but neither one of us are very studious. We're more of the, all right, let's just fly and go. Yeah. And you are very rounded and saying, this is the direction we need to go in. You two ass clowns need to calm down and focus. Yeah, writing the list down, getting right, things right. together. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely, I will say firsthand, that conducting interviews with AJ and conducting interviews with Joe are two very different experiences. <laughs> for good and bad on both. And there's interesting points for both. But it's definitely very different, I would say. that. Yeah. One is very organized and will... <laughs> will get you to a certain point and go smoothly, but it may be a little more pressure. <laughs> and then the other one is very relaxed, uh, definitely disorganized, and we don't know where we're going. <laughs> but there feels like there's no pressure at all. <laughs> so you can figure out who's who. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the Bob Cook interview has gotten the most listens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was one you guys did. Well... What I try to do... Yeah, it, it yeah. works both ways. It counterbalances. Yeah. And I will say this. Usually, in that interview, and maybe a few other ones too, Joe will send us some questions, which I'll remind AJ like five minutes before the interview. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go, hey, can we try to get some of these in? <laughs> and then he will. And he'll word it in his own way. And then it kind of works out. So I would say the best combination maybe is me and AJ doing the interview with the influence of Joe. <laughs> Just be, and this will probably be the nicest thing that I say today, we wouldn't be where we are without each of us actually having what we do and being a little bit different than each other. And having Joe be who Joe is has helped us tremendously to get to where we are. I, I've actually said this to Joe before. I don't know if he remembers. I'll say it again. This is the very true. Not, and I'm putting us over on a fucking pedestal that we don't deserve, but it's the best fucking analogy I can come up with, so give me a break, people. All right. If me and Adam were Ray Stevens and Nick Bockwinkle, Joe's our Bobby Heenan. Meaning that. Yeah, I can do me, that. Right. Me and you can do what we do, and Joe can do what we could do, but we can't do what Joe does. <laughs> so. No, I absolutely. 
not. Right. So that's why he's our Bobby Heated. So. Oh, man, I thought you were about to say, like, you guys were the Father, the Son, and I was the Holy Spirit or something. <laughs> we don't talk I mean, about religion <laughs> on the podcast show. <laughs> it, is, it is Christmas time, but we're getting way off track. Let's get back to the path of the podcast. I remember you guys reaching out to me when I got an invite for Indie Wrestling with an Edge on Facebook. Mm. And it said podcast. And I don't remember the date. But I was going to see the Lonely Island at the Rockland Bank Trust Pavilion in Massachusetts. So that'll pin down a day. But then I messaged Dave and I'm like, oh shit, is this going down? And he said it was. And then from there, what were those first meetings like? Because like, I know what things are like now and the rhythm we've gotten into. But what was the beginning like? Do you guys remember Under the Radar? I found that in my notes, and I'm like, holy shit, we left that behind. What feels like forever ago to me now. Yeah, yeah, under the radar is, it's not a bad concept, but it definitely feels like we just kind of strayed away from that. I think the thing is we stopped trying to be a news site for the most part. We still talk about current things, we try to put our own slant in, and that's where kind of under the radar disappeared. To me, um, being a news site is something that anybody can do because basically you're just regurgitating information. And I don't mean to knock the websites uh, who do do news or the podcasts that do do news. But what makes us different and what has made us different from day one is the fact that we give our opinions. Our opinions aren't necessarily negative or positive, but we give our honest opinions and how we feel and what actually touches us through the week and not just news stories. Mm. Yeah, and it was actually the influence of my brother who told me, like, you guys got to be more current. And that's where I thought, like, sometimes the news, we were reacting to what happened that week, not thinking that that information is going to come out a week from now. Yeah, and we're in such a time period where news is constantly changing and wrestling. And unfortunately, people, we are the Working Fans Podcast because we all have jobs. So we can't be out here every day. (laughs) Although that is something that we're working on. And if you're going to be a news source... You want to deal with primary material. Like, Mm -hmm. you want to report on information you got, not something you read from another place. That's a place where the Dave Meltzer sometimes, definitely the post-wrestling, the Bruce Mitchells, where they're important. They get themselves into trouble because a lot of times they'll just read something and they repost it and they react to it right away. And then it ends up being false. Usually by the time we're reacting to something, you have several sites or several outlets where you can cross-check it, and it's not just an instantaneous, oh, no, I saw this, look, boom. You know what I mean? Yep, and I mean, in the end, we are amateurs at this. We all have day jobs. None of us have specific training in this, except AJ, who worked 10 years. But, I mean, we're really just pushing along and doing the best with what we've got. And once there's somebody out there who wants to bankroll us, then we would be happy to go for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Anytime we're out here. <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, okay, so from those first recordings that we did, we were trying to find a voice. We did news, under the radar, my wrestling and culture feature, which featured a lot of rap music, which was big to me. Hmm. Heartbroken, we didn't ask Barry Horowitz about Action Bronson, but <laughs> it had been done recently, and we're not trying to copy what other people do. Yeah. I, I would say I think we've fun. done a good job of asking questions that a lot of places don't ask. Yeah. I'd say we're still finding our voice, too, honestly. Oh, yeah. We're not to where we need to be, but I got one question for you guys that I've never asked. Before the name change, what's the edge? 
It was indie wrestling with an edge, and one part of it was us trying to focus on indie wrestling, but it, I felt like it kept us too small focused. The edge was a, was a the edge was a quick catchphrase. <laughs> it was yeah, like, it was more or less, it was more or less just going to be us delivering it with our real opinions on it. Right. And to me, that was going to be the edge. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, we've gone a little bit away from that because mm. I think that a lot of times we do focus on. You guys do a good job. We'll just put it this way: of filtering me and keeping <laughs> me from being too edgy. <laughs> oh, we've kept some shit from you, folks. Oh yeah, don't worry. We- no, no. Fucking no, no, Jim Cornette over here. Like, no, no, it, no, it's definitely a good thing because let's face it, if I was free just to say whatever I wanted, <laughs> we would get a lot more dislike tweets than we do. We'll put it that way. Yeah. We might get some tweets in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hashtag wrestling community. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the porn industry apparently likes us, which is cool. We appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy Evans. <laughs> Day one. Jimmy Evans and oh, Randy Osga, who's actually going to be on this week's episode. Yeah, Randy Osga, who made the uh, town, AJ, unfortunately, <laughs> did not. I, I, would li- I, would, I would like to say there's a difference between the two. While it's nice that we do get hashtag from, from Jimmy Evans, mm, I believe Randy Osgood is actually a real listener and somebody who actually cares about where we're going with this podcast, whereas I'm not sure Jimmy Evans actually listens. Yeah, hashtag day one hasn't popped up in his shit yet, so... (laughs) I have seen him on other wrestling stuff, though. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair about the With an Edge, I I think we've said some shit. We made a case for Benoit this year. Yeah. Yeah. I made a case for Tony Storm's ass that I know. Yeah, you were Tony Storm's ass. It was very important to me. We've dropped plenty yeah, I, of... I don't, I don't think that's a case you're going to lose. <laughs> There's <laughs> been plenty of Plan B jokes. I don't know if those made the air entirely. Uh, well, that's yeah. Yeah. But what, what did you guys feel like was the change when we went from indie wrestling with an edge to the Working Fans podcast? Because I, I remember the afternoon yeah. that we workshopped that name. I, I think it was just the fact that and AJ, you can comment on this, but I just think it's the fact that we, so we, we, we opened ourselves up more. I think one thing that me and AJ both realized, too, is that there's so much stuff out there right now. It's really hard, unless we had, we're able to focus on this 100%, to just be about indie wrestling. Because there's so much indie wrestling. Well, but being able to like, just talk about... Wrestling itself has also changed this year. Right, but I'm just saying, I think we just opened ourselves up to talk about the things that we like, the things that are out there, and we didn't pigeonhole ourselves, too. Yeah, no, I agree, one hundred percent. I'm just saying, wrestling itself, the landscape has changed. I mean, the two most popular shows I think right now are on Wednesday night and not Monday or Friday. <laughs> and it's incredible to see the evolution this year. And we'll talk more about wrestling after we get done talking about our history here. But we're seeing things happen right now in wrestling that I don't think you or I ever thought would happen. Yeah, and I'll throw a quick thing out there too, just as far as like before anyone comments on that audience that. You know, Monday Night Raw still gets X amount of rating number too. If you combine the NXT and AEW audience, and you could probably look at DVRs of that, it's very competitive with Monday Night. And I would argue the NXT and AEW audience is the exact same fucking audience. Yeah. Whereas well, that audience is not the Monday Night Raw audience necessarily. So, Well, here's the difference also. How much is that Raw audience now? Are just people who have set their DVRs for years mm-hmm. to record Raw. 
Right. So, so it happens to be getting recorded every week, and it's just people doing quick scans through, whereas the hardcore fans are watching the segments on Wednesday night. And when we became the Working Fans Podcast, we really kind of started up right around the time that the Wednesday Night Wars came up. And we found ourselves talking more mainstream wrestling or high-level indie wrestling than just indie wrestling in general. So we kicked off around the same time as Arn, the same time as plenty of podcasts are starting up growing. AEW Dynamite and NXT in its new form are growing. Then we started getting interviews, guys. Yeah. And I'm big on MLW, so we got Doug Markham for our first one. What have you guys felt about kind of transitioning from just us to doing us and then interviews? I think it's an exciting process. I love, and I mean, I'm not putting myself over here. I, I am the guy who gets the majority of the interviews here. Yeah, you've a lot of them in. And I will say, and AJ can speak on this too, I think there's just a fun X factor because we know how we are when we're talking, but we never know how that guest is going to be until we get them on. So that's for me is like kind of the exciting X factor. Just like, okay, where's this headed? You know? Yeah. Whether it's going to be bad, good, who the fuck knows? But I always enjoy that personally before an interview. Yeah, Dave's responsible, and we'll put it out there. Dave's responsible for ninety percent of the guests that we get on interviews, if not more. He's doing a tremendous job of working his ass off to get us those interviews. When it comes to the interviews itself, sometimes you get people who the information just pours out of, and those are fun to talk to. And sometimes we do have to lay the groundwork for them and kind of send them in directions with the interview. I love the interview with Rod Price because it was a chance for me to thank him for something that happened years ago. But if we weren't guiding him along in that, it would have been like listening to paint dry. (laughs) Shout out to Rod Price. And I mean, we haven't talked at all about this lost Bobby Blaze interview. We're not going to get into it, but it was, (laughs) it was a really good interview. And like, I think the best we've done, we hope to have him back. Yeah. But it's one of those things that you kind of learn as you go. Like Hmm. we moved to a different room in Dave's house just to avoid hearing the fridge in the back. You'll hear through episodes one through maybe four. (laughs) Cameo, shout out to the fridge. (laughs) Day one. Day one. Day one. (laughs) Like, for me, guys, Bob Cook was somebody you guys were huge on. I was vaguely familiar with, and he gave us, I thought, one of our best interviews. It's had the most listens out of anyone. Why do you guys think that is? You know, it's hard. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, he was real. He brought it. Anything you asked him... He didn't hold back, and he just gave his real honest opinion. And when you get that out of one of these wrestlers or one of these entertainers, whether they're a referee, a wrestler, a manager, it, it brings it. It is a totally different edge. And it brings a lot of excitement to the table. I will say this. One thing, we're still very new. So who's our top interview and who's our not top interview could vary in the next year or so. But... To comment on what AJ is saying about Bob being real, some of the feedback I've got on interviews have been from Bob Cook interviews, and he's one where a lot of people said he hit the nail on the head when it came to today's wrestling and some of the issues that we're having. Bob talking about how everybody looks alike, the cookie cutter thing that we all mentioned before. And so that definitely did come across Bob's realness in an interview. And Bob is a real fucking guy, by the way. If you follow that guy on Facebook, he has opinions. Whether you like him, you don't like him, 
he's not an athlete. He's very like he's got plenty of opinions, and he's a guy we definitely hope to get on here again at some point. Now, moving on from the interviews, we started hitting the holiday episodes. And Halloween was a fucking adventure if you were there for the first day, listen, before it got cleaned up. (laughs) But I mean, we've hit Halloween, Thanksgiving. This is more or less our Christmas, New Year season finale. It's been a wild year and as far as we've come. Now, we're settling into the Christmas season. What's been your guys' highlight of this year, wrestling-wise, podcast-wise, you name it? I'd say for a shoot for AJ, I know it's been the holidays itself. He's a big holiday mark. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, go Christmas. <laughs> I'll let you start off. Go hey, ahead. don't leave out Hanukkah, bud. <laughs> yeah, I um, am a hugely excited little person. <laughs> and when I get fired up about something, I have a tendency of just going. I don't really think always about what direction. It's kind of a feel thing for me. And I get, I'm very excited about next year. To me, the the thing that we need to focus on with the podcast is to just continue to grow. One of the things that we haven't mentioned yet today that I think was getting overlooked is that without Joe, we wouldn't have the 531. Mm. And the 531 to me is the staple of what we are. And it is something that pays off every week. And we need to continue to focus on that. That's our baby. Um, we need to add, mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to add other things to it. I think that fans will be very excited about an idea that we have as a team called Is It a Work? Where we will look into things in the world, similar to uh, from a wrestling point of view, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out if it's a work, if they're trying to actually work us. Yeah. Bobby uh, so Blaze approved. Conspiracy theories out there. <laughs> Yeah, Bobby Blaze is big on it. I mean, you won't know that because of the lost tapes, which <laughs> might have been at work. In his Swear life. to God he is, though. <laughs> <laughs> the other big thing that I mentioned on the podcast last week was, and I think it's a big thing for us, is we are going to try and get to some of the local indie shows, and hopefully the fans will let us know what they want us to see, and we can start to get some of that local indie talent interviewed. Mm, maybe see some of the rats out there, too. <laughs> Podcast rats? I think I got one trying to text me right now, but I'm a professional. I mean, believe it or not, I mean, Dave and I, with our fucked up schedules, are going to be, we're talking about going to Heavy Lies the Crown, the Beyond Wrestling New Year's Eve show, which, working the hours we work is a horrible idea, but Mm -hmm. we've been multiple times and it's always fun. Yeah. Where is that at? And it's in Worcester. This is the shoot, folks, behind the curtain. Oh, he hasn't heard about this White yet. White Eagle. <laughs> oh, wow. So, New Year's Eve. I'm going to have to look at my schedule, see if I can get it off. Get back to us. <laughs> but also coming up next year, uh, debuting on Tuesdays, we're going to be having an MLW review show where I'm going through the old events and then going through the old TV leading up to TV now, doing everything in order, It's going to be a little repetitive in the end because their schedule at first was hold an event and then that becomes the TV taping. But eventually, I mean, the goal would be if we could end up on the MLW Radio Network, being a podcast, maybe the official review show, not saying we deserve to get there, but put it out in the universe, see Mm. what happens. Quote Jim Cornette, we're hoping this doesn't go up like the Challenger. (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we talked about the Challenger this year, too, as well. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. A lot of hot topics we talk about. We're not afraid to tackle the issues here. <laughs> But yeah, I, mean, I think the challenge, the challenger, might have been a work also. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the family. The challenge. I was gonna say. Now we're getting into that muddy territory of yeah. where Dave is like, "Oh shit, we can't do that for is it a work?" <laughs> Obviously, religion is gonna be a hot topic. A hot topic. You know, you're out there, church. <laughs> There's a few other Don't topics. Worry, I, won't go after, I won't go after any weird religion Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we're a wrestling community. He won't be attacking anybody in particular. He's although, <laughs> but I mean, if you are hashtag weirdos, do you if you have an interest in religion, the Colton Connecticut podcast, which is done by a girl I went to high school with, Naomi, mm. features it talks about a cult that came up in my hometown. I didn't know about it, and she started releasing podcasts about the same time we did. So it's been somebody I could talk to about how do you do this or what do you do that for a podcast. So shout out to uh, Naomi Van Winkle. First of all, great name Van Winkle. Mm. So let's see if we can get her on the podcast. Sounds like a work. When we do our first, when we do our first one, we can actually, if you want to do cults, we can do cults, and maybe we can invite this Naomi Naomi onto the pod with us. That sounds like a good idea. Something to kick off twenty twenty because. We really kind of want to grow. Like, we have a good audience. We've got 20 to 30 people a week. Not to give out, not to get too real about our numbers. Mm. We got five YouTube subscribers. If everybody that listens subscribed to the YouTube, we could be a little bigger. But it's also, we're learning how to promote ourselves, how to grow. Mm -hmm. Like, if you heard the interviews from Mike Verna, Richard Holiday, they knew how to promote. Right. They had their shit down. They had websites, everything you need. Also, too, we're going to be going to some of these events that could definitely help promote us. And uh, you know, we do have some potential big interviews in the works too. Yep, getting so. flyers, getting and stickers, things like that. If we can nail down, I think one of the things that we do need to do this year is get ourselves a website. We can get one fairly cheap, a domain, and I think that will help us also to have somewhere for people to go. And to be able to click on the site and be able to go to our YouTube, be able to go to our podcast, be able, you know what I mean? Yeah, provide all our links in one space. Exactly. Because while we're the Working Fans Podcast, we don't want our fans having to work. <laughs> exactly. Now, guys, let's get down to a little bit of wrestling talk before Randy shows up tonight. What's been big Absolutely. for you this week? I mean, I watch AEW pretty much. I watched our... I fell asleep during ROH final battle last night. Well, how about this real quick? Because, you know, like people make such a big deal out of the ratings nowadays. Yeah. And people go back and forth. And, you know, I think we concentrate too much on the ratings. But I got to say, a fucking tie, that's pretty crazy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, if anybody wanted to know if this audience was divided, that's what you really need to look at right there. That is the same audience. And. I, I, I might be in the minority of this. I know there's a few people out there, but I think AEW personally would almost do better on a Monday night because I think they would get that audience that NXT has there too. And I think people that tune in on Monday nights to tune into wrestling, I'm not saying they would overtake Raw the first week, but I think there's more of a chance to grow there. 
It's, it's a weird thing, but that's what I think. Because it's more of an alternative, and NXT and AEW seem almost... Right, right. I mean, even though the, the products are different, yeah. AEW's way more different than anything Raw's doing. Yeah. And I think that... I think Monday, go ahead. Monday or Friday, they would do better. Yeah, Friday's a tough night to be on, but I think you got a good point, too. I think... I mean, WWE was very strategic. Putting NXT against them was almost the best way to go because that is dividing up that audience. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll tell you firsthand, I try to make it a point to watch both shows and watch both shows. But if that was just AEW versus SmackDown or versus Raw, I would probably just fast forward through Raw and SmackDown like I do every week and watch AEW instead of making a constant effort to watch both shows. So, and that's from a fan who watched it. Yeah. I agree 100%. Well, I think one of the shout-outs that I want to give this week when it comes to wrestling, a little bit off topic, I'm going to go NXT first. What they are doing with Dakota Kai and Mia Yim and that whole storyline, mm. absolutely incredible. Those two girls are tearing it down, and they're doing an awesome job. Oh, yeah, and real quick, shout-out to Dakota Kai for still being alive after that bump. That was awful. <laughs> yeah, the fact that she's still alive is absolutely insane. Yeah, her head hit and that so. second table, and that table didn't break. And she ended up with eight staples. I don't know if you guys saw that. I did not. Yeah, yeah eight staples to her skull. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, did you see the bump drop? So, so, so if anybody wants to question, yeah. I think I did. Yeah. Sorry, folks. I work in retail, so anything <laughs> around the holidays is a blur. <laughs> it was a vicious bump. She she took a suplex off like the stands onto like two tables they had laid out, okay. and uh, her head hit like they went through the first table, and then her head just hit the back of the second table. Oh, that's, and that's nice. Yeah, I was like, ah, yeah. Okay. Ba- yeah, basically their two bodies went through the first table and only Dakota Kai's head went through the second table. All right, guys, well, we got to cut it short because it sounds like Randy has arrived. We're wrapping it up. So thanks for That's being up. with us through 2019. We'll see you in 2020. Big things planned. Have a good one. Absolutely, guys. Go get them. This is Amanda Steele, Mike Verna, and you are listening to the Working Sense Podcast, a hell of a podcast, everything wrestling, everything life. Do yourself a favor, check this out. In terms of movies and in wrestling, what have been your highlights of 2019 so far, then? This has been a very beneficial year for me. I'm very, very happy that I was able to kind of balance everything out the way I was. And it comes back to what you said about earlier, about being busy. When you're that busy, you're you're, you're kind of just always active. And when you're always active, you kind of have to have some sort of success, something you're proud of. In regards to acting, so I worked on, besides pop mentality, I was actually able to land two jobs. And and acting is different than wrestling. You don't get booked every single weekend. Acting is very much like, you get booked, if you get booked once a year, that's considered good. Okay. I got got lucky to be, to work on three pilots this, uh, this year. Other than Mom Mentality, Mom Mentality being one, the other two were a, a project called Pump, which stars Brian Bumgarner from The Office, who played Kevin Malone. Yep. Yeah, so I, I was able, I co-starred with him, and that, that, that post-production now, that's in the process of being sold as well. So if that gets picked up, that would be awesome, but I don't know much about where they're at right now with the selling aspect of it, but it, it stars Brian Bumgarner. It was a, uh, basically a, a, about a gym. It was the office and the gym. Let's put it that way. If you're a fan of the office, it would be it was the gym version of an office. Oh, yeah. I, played, I played the bro manager who came in to fix the gym, who was kind of a dick in the beginning, but then became ultimately a lovable guy. So I'm play that. And then another role I worked on was something called Ghost Guidos, which sounds it sounds silly, but it was a lot of fun. It was a, it's a reality show. It was a scripted reality show. We've had it right there. Right. Um, which was a mix, a mix between Jersey Shore 
and Ghost Adventures. Huh. Um, it sounds crazy, but it was a whole lot of fun. It was very entertaining. It was very, very. It was cool to be a part. Right. Um, that's getting pitched. That's getting pitched as we speak to uh, a couple of networks as well. So I mean, I guess I got lucky with three of those things. Now, more importantly, with the wrestling, what I'm most proud of is. is so I, I feel like I, I have a very interesting career with wrestling because I'm always, and, and this is something that people um, said about me, and this is what a lot of people uh, label me as, that I'm that guy, so I don't want to sound uh, egotistical with this one because it's not really a compliment, it's kind of a backhanded, backhanded compliment. And I'm the guy that everybody has interest in, but hasn't really signed the deal yet. Part of that's on me, and part of that's on uh, obviously the people offering the deals. I mean, it's not that I have a deal off the table right now that I'm ready to sign. But because of my lifestyle, I'm very, very cautious about what I want to do about signing a dotted line anywhere. If I wanted to, and I had a set goal set in mind right now for any company other than WWE, uh, and AEW for that matter, I'm sure I can pursue it enough where I would be offered a deal, whether it be Ring of Honor, uh, Impact, MOW, even Evolve. If I pursued it to a way where it's like, hey, I really want to be here, this is where I want to be, I'm sure that I can eventually get a deal at one of those companies. I'll get it to AEW later, well, because I can't really speak so much on it, but we can talk about it to an extent. WWE right now is not where I want to go. I don't think right now where I am in my life with my other careers that if I went to NXT and signed with WWE, I would be throwing away my acting career. And I'm not saying that I am a movie star. I'm not saying that I'm Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Hmm. But I've got some success with the two years in the business. You want to see where it goes. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I want to kind of have my options open. It's funny because I just listened to uh, Enzo and Kaz's podcast with Jericho. Yeah. And when Enzo, when Enzo was on his way out, he, he, he looked at music as a backup plan for him. And he realized that he couldn't pursue music while he was still on the contract. You weren't allowed. So when I heard that, I totally connected with him. I said, you're right. Like, you can't do anything else while you're on the contract with WWE. And that's a shame. You know, don't get me wrong. If they call me tomorrow and say, Mike, we want to finally all these contracts, I would have to sit there and think about it. Mm. But my heart is telling me right now not to go there because of all the other stuff that's on my plate. And we didn't get a chance to talk about it very much, but I love coaching college baseball. I love doing that too. I have to throw that out. Like, that's another big achievement that I kind of hang my hat on that. Like, I'm able to balance those three main jobs and, and, and do everything that I legitimately love in life, I'm able to do. I love acting. I love wrestling and I love baseball. I'm literally doing all three of those as a living. So I can't complain. But WWE would kind of take that away from me right now. So I mean, even though being on NXT was a huge accomplishment, doing all the wrestling, I mean, I, I when it comes to achievements in 2019, I have a handful of them when it comes to wrestling. I've had three matches. I've had opportunities to work great places. I've had great discussions with people about contracts in certain places. The list goes on. Like 2019 was a huge step in my professional growth as a wrestler because I finally reached out my toe now as the guy that everyone was kind of interested in but didn't really know where he wanted to go to now knowing where I want to go and knowing what I want to do in wrestling. And, and, and I feel like 2020, I'm going to be able to finally achieve that because everything happens for me. You know, and I talked about my trial in 2017. I talked about my discussion with Regal in 2014. Like, all those were for a reason. And now I'm at that point now where I get it. I know why those things didn't happen then. I'm not spiritual and say, oh, you know, what will be will be, but I, I'm happy that I didn't try to push something back then that I didn't fully want yet, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, yeah. with you being so busy, obviously, uh, you know, college baseball, you said it's such a big passion here too. You're acting, wrestling. What are some of your big goals for 2020? 
Uh, well, 2020, I, I very simple. I was, I'll hit all three of those things right now. I wanted to make it to a national championship with my college team last year. Uh, just in short, because I, I'm not sure how many baseball fans are on that listen to this podcast. But in short, we made it to the regional conference playoffs, which essentially, if we would have gotten out of that, we would have went to the districts. If we would have won the districts, we would have made it to the World Series tournament, which is the nation on uh, the national championship. I would love to get close to that national championship tournament this year. I think we have a good team. Hopefully we can do that. That's step one. Step two, with Hollywood, I want one of these pilots to get picked up, and I want to see what that Netflix money looks like and what, it, what it's like to be an actor on a mainstream you know, network television show or, uh, or a cable television show, for that matter, or a streaming television show. In wrestling, I would like to sign a contract with the company that will allow me to both financially be successful and also pursue these other two things. Uh, those are my three main goals in 2020, and I feel like every single one is very, very achievable, and I'm very excited for this year because everything I've done up until this point has gotten me ready for, I think, 2020 being the year that everything finally comes to fruition. 531 this week. We've got probably our biggest fan, Randy, sitting in. And the topic this week is going to be the best workers of the decade. Hmm. Since everybody's making a big deal about this being the last year of the decade. So we're talking 2010 to 2019. I'm going to give you guys my list first. I've got AJ Styles. I've got Okada, Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole. And I went with John Morrison for my last pick. I added Morrison to the list because since leaving WWE, he's kept relevant and kept doing something the whole time. Impact. He was champion for that. Yeah. He made his own movie, bet on himself at a time when he was also in Lucha Underground, and has made something returning to the WWE now. We've seen the rise of Adam Cole in the last 10 years. Daniel Bryan, we've seen him go from something to seemingly out of it to back into it. Okada, he's had an unreal run in New Japan. Yeah. And AJ Styles, same thing. He's stayed relevant for 10 years plus. Right. New Japan, like, I wasn't really a fan. And then I heard about Okada and Omega having these crazy matches. I was like, it got me into, like, I had to check it out. Yeah. Now, you said you had AJ Styles. What was... Our other partner, AJ, list this week, because you have his list, too, I think. AJ obviously went with AJ Styles to start it off. Uh. Daniel Bryan. He had John Cena on there. He had Okada, and he had Omega. Yeah. Jesse from New Hampshire, he sent in a few lists. His list, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Okada, Seth Rollins, Kenny Omega. Randy, hit us. Alright, so my this? list is in no particular order. First, Chris Jericho. Do I need to say any more? Mm. I mean, the guy reinvents himself time after time from the list to like the Festival of Friendship with Owens and now AEW, the youngest ever AEW <laughs> champion and with Inner Circle. The guy just does it all. And I also say this, AJ, not AJ, Jericho just posted something today, 2009, with a picture of the WWE Championship, 2019, picture of the AEW Championship, so there you go. Who, who else does that? Yeah. He's right. done tours in New Japan with oh, sure. really good hype videos. Mm-hmm. He's been at the last couple Wrestle Kingdoms, really upping his stock. Second, I got Daniel Bryan. Mm. I mean, I first saw him in, in Ring of Honor, and he was insane. It was just crazy matches. Like the first match I watched with him, him and Homicide. I mean, yeah. insane. I was there for WrestleMania 30. Yeah, there you go. In New Orleans. Mm. When when he you know he beat Triple H in the first match, it was unreal. Then he did the triple threat match with Orton and Batista. I mean, crowd went off. It it brought the crowd back from the whole Undertaker streak thing because yeah, insane. those were two big items <clears throat> in that same year. I'll say this too: a girl I was seeing at the time, she wasn't a big wrestling fan. 
she watched the Occupy Raw segment with me, yep. and she totally got hooked into it. Like when when Daniel Bryan was on there with all the people, and they were chanting "Yes, yes," and they wouldn't oh, leave yeah. the ring, and Triple H loses his shit and finally agrees to make the match, and she bought into the whole thing. She loved it. Then, like the segment you were talking about last week about the, you know Seattle when Cena had to go up to everybody was yes. chanting for Bryan, yes, and Triple H was not liking that, and then they had to go up to Bryan and they're in Seattle, and everybody's like, you know, Bryan got so it's like so much for Bryan. WrestleMania yeah. 30, when we were leaving, I, t- I asked my buddies, I'm like, what are you going to remember more? Brian winning the title or Undertaker losing? Mm. And the guys didn't know. We're like, I don't know. It's a tough call. Right. Because yeah, you would have thought that at the time. Yeah. Right. Uh, who else? You right, got number number three, I got John Cena. I mean, mm-hmm. for his age and everything, like when he ever came out, he had incredible matches with AJ, mm-hmm. Kevin Owens. I mean, every, every time, like he just... Like nobody's like, oh, I hate Cena. Cena sucks and all this, mm. but you can't say anything about his matches. They were just unbelievable. He was trying moves insane. He was always having consistently good matches. When he came out, like he always got the crowd going. They have him start the show off. He come out, you know. Yeah, as he's wound down, he's kind of grown into a new role. Yeah, and fit that perfectly, giving right. you good matches I think outside of the mixed Cena tag matches. Which one time? Yeah, we were tired of Cena. Now people miss Cena. I think. Yeah. yeah. Who else gets engaged at WrestleMania and then says nope before it comes around again? Yeah, Good man. <laughs> that was something else. Who else you got on your list? I got CM Punk. I mean, I know he didn't wrestle for like half half the decade, but when the whole two thousand, uh, I think it was thirteen. You know, the whole you know the whole thing with the promo. I don't, I don't want to say the name, but I'll say the promo. I mean, it got fans back into it like i know mm. i had a couple of friends that asked me like was that real randy yeah, like that like i gotta watch this now this cm punk i gotta watch wwe again it made me cool it made it cool again it made it entertaining and i also say this undertaker too. a great match with yeah also i'll say this too about punk they did get behind him at one point he had the longest reign in the modern era with the exception of brock lesnar yes. with brock lesnar did not compete obviously as we know as much as punk did so yeah. i mean i do think that even though he said Punk hasn't been in for a long time, right. there was a huge part of that era he was dominating for a little while. But things that Punk's done, he's stayed in everybody's mouths the whole time. Oh, sure. Like, that podcast he did with Colt Cabana yeah. would be Day, almost the mm-hmm. real-life version of the promo he did in the WWE, where he was saying yeah. things directly. Just like the Moxley podcast, mm-hmm. the two you just can't forget about those two podcasts and i mean arguably like whatever happened between him and cole it's so big that it's put like a division in that friendship which is crazy to see but he has stayed relevant and here we're ending out the decade where he's getting back into wrestling albeit through wwe backstage so who do you got finishing up your list i got aj styles Mm. i mean from impact wrestling and then like they wanted to give him some pay cut so i said okay i'll go to new japan i'll go to ring of honor and then comes to WWE when we came to Royal Rumble. I mean, just boom. And then he comes champion for like a year. Yeah. Crazy matches with Cena and everybody. Like AJ Styles, like the guy doesn't age. He still has all these moves. It's just like, what is this? Yeah, like, it's kind of funny. Incredible. Yeah, because I forgot to put, I did this list real quick. And one name I definitely left off was AJ. And it makes me mad. And as he's talking about this too, I'm thinking too, AJ was really like the modern territory guy. Like, he was that guy that went to EC, not ECW, but Ring of Honor. WCW. He was WCW briefly, yes. And then TNA, and then New Japan. And he basically was the man. I mean, wouldn't you argue him and Chris Daniels have almost had a similar rise coming in on the end of WCW? Oh, yeah. I mean, they both ended up in Impact, but then they've branched off in different ways and and made it big. 
Yeah, and actually, I was going to add Joe. Good Joe, point Ring too. of Honor, too. With I mean, Samoa yeah. Joe, like, he kind of is, like, right there, too, except for that brief WCW. But, like, both those guys took off on TNA Impact Wrestling around the same time. Yeah. And they kind of paralleled each other. But I would say this, too. Out of the three of them, if you had to pick one guy, who was the best out of that group? It was it was AJ. Yeah. It was Styles. Yeah. So now getting down to it, Dave, what's your list? Well, first off, I'm sorry I left off Punk and AJ Styles. Those were two guys I would have picked. But there's I always going to be honorable mentions because right. if you're putting it down to five, mm-hmm. you're going to be leaving people oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, one guy I did change at the last minute. I originally had Seth Rollins on here just for the last couple of years because he has had a great bit of work despite his character being flat. But I had to go, you know, Daniel Bryan. I remember Daniel Bryan just because Bryan might not have dominated the last decade, but I also feel like if you look at the crowd reaction, even a few weeks ago, where there was a segment with The Fiend, where he took him like underneath the ring, if you watch how the people just started chanting, yes, 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 and even Brian is his heel work. I don't think if it wasn't for injury, or if it wasn't for the W not getting behind this guy, there's nobody that gets a more organic reaction than Daniel Bryan in the last 10 years. He's had two big comebacks in the yeah. last 10 years. I mean, he came in with the new the new Nexus and that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was fired. Yeah. It was legit fired. And, and him and The Miz. I mean, back. I know people don't like The Miz, but him and The Miz are like... They had some incredible... And that's like, something I and think WWE dropped the ball on a little bit, too, to yeah. be fair with, too. They had the talking smack. Right, that, that was, was awesome. People still talk about talking. That yeah. was actually in this Friday SmackDown. They right. referenced that. Yeah. I got, so, Brian, definitely, to me, is a guy that needs to be up there. I decided to go a little different, too. I didn't go with Okada, like you did, who I think is great and been great the last couple years we went on fire, but I went with Tanahashi. Because to me, Tanahashi is still like right there, but the beginning part of the decade, like that's where Tanahashi, if you go back and look at New Japan, was setting records with record and IWP title reigns too. Yeah, and he almost handed the torch over to Okada. Right. I'd say early in the decade. I mean, they had a big rivalry. He's arguably the ace of New Japan. Mm-hmm. It's that one in one A situation where they're both on top. It's arguable. I mean, do you like Okada? Do you like Tanahashi? And I went right? to Lowell, Massachusetts for a New Japan card this year. Yeah. And there wasn't a guy more over than Tanahashi. <laughs> like the fans were just hanging on every oh, word yeah. he was saying. Yeah, the last couple of years when I've gone to the pre WrestleMania cards, right. uh, he's one of the bigger pops on the indie shows mm. when they do have New Japan talent come in. Great wrestler. Him and Suzuki. Another guy I put on there, not the most popular guy, but it's kind of foolish not to think that he hasn't been around, Roman Reigns. Like, he okay. is just, for better or worse, he's been one of the guys in that spotlight. To me, if you listen to, like, the interview Jericho and Mox, you know, had, like, on Jericho's podcast, it sounds like Roman hasn't been able to be himself a lot. Yeah. So I kind of wonder maybe this guy hasn't got a fair shake. But at the end of the day, you can't say they didn't give him the ball or I mean, try. I mean, he did beat Undertaker. He has been in main events with Brock. Actually, his first match with Brock where Seth cashed in the briefcase, I thought was actually on their way to being a great, compelling storyline. The only time Roman was being be himself is the whole one he, you know, when he had cancer. cancer yeah. Unfortunately. I know. That's true. I, I, I said that recently, too. It's, like it's almost kind of like disheartening, but that's the only time they let Roman talk. And if you go back to like early early interviews i actually remember this one segment where it was roman and cena were in the ring and 
John Cena said something, and Roman, you could tell, just ad libbed. Yeah. And he was just like, You bet your ass John Cena sucks when Roman Reigns is in this ring. Right. And I was like, Whoa, where did that come from? Right. And that yeah. shit never got heard from again. Like, they yeah. did not have, said they had him saying suffering succotash and other bullshit. Right, right. So, who else do you have on your list? So, here? rounding up the final two, gotta agree with Randy on this one. I don't know how he doesn't make a top five. Chris Jericho, the guy has changed constantly, and like AEW. We don't know what this is going to be like in the next couple of years, but right now it's in a mainstream position, and who's the man? It's Jericho. And oh, by the way, a couple of years ago, Jericho was at, you know, he was in wrestling. He was almost considered to be main event with Kevin Owens. It didn't end up happening, and yeah. that was one of the reasons why I think he was leaving. One yeah, of the greatest but like, pieces of TV ever right. watched Some of the highest rated segments. And then also Jericho helped draw, like, for New Japan. You take all that in consideration. Even Omega, man, they had something. Wow. Right. And at his age, to me, Jericho's just one of the guys. And the final guy I had to include was John Cena. Because at the end of the day, I get why they call him Big Match John. Because mm, yep. even when John was getting shoved down our throats, much like Roman, when it came down to go time, John wasn't putting in many bad matches when it came to a main event. And that's how you get somebody over is consistently putting them out there. It's how you get out a, get over a joke, get over a catchphrase, just consistently it gets into okay, the people's minds. Beat John Cena. <laughs> right, 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 right. Now, I hate to not keep this evergreen, but we got our backs up against the wall with this NWA pay-per-view starting. So AJ Styles has been on every list. Brian's been on every list. Yep. That's going to be the obvious one, too. Yep. For our last position, we're going to leave it up to a quick debate. Okada, Omega, Jericho. Who moves into that third slot? For me, it's Jericho because at the end of the day, he's had success in New Japan and WWE and now AEW. I totally agree. <clears throat> I mean, it's just WWE and now AEW. I mean, the guy just recreates himself everywhere as he goes. He never gets never gets bore, boring. You know, it's always like you never know. He's must watch TV. When he's on the TV, I'm watching. Like Actually, yeah. And I would say this too, besides Cody. Like, Jericho has been truly the highlight for AEW for me. Yeah. For, on a personal level. And I will also say this, too. You're starting to get to a point. I know we're talking about just a decade. Jericho is starting to get to the point that he's arguable, arguably going to be on that Rushmore list. Yeah. I'm not saying he is. We got a huge, so many greats in there. But he's making his case for it. Yeah, and he's one of the few wrestlers that is able to get longevity out of a career just by the nature of what they do. Ask AJ. Mm-hmm. You won't wrestle for as long as you'd hope, and the injuries really pile up. Jericho has made it. So I personally would have picked Okada just for what he's doing for a title reign and establishing just the power of the title in New Japan. But we've had two arguments for Jericho. I can't argue against it. So we got it down to Styles, Brian, and Jericho. Hmm. Who's the first to go out of this list? Because we're going to debate this down. Okay, I'm going to unfortunately... To show you that I'm not being biased, my favorite wrestler out of this group, personally, is Daniel Bryan. I love them all, but Daniel I just have a connection with for whatever reason. He's always just, yeah. But, because of the injuries, I'm going to take him out of this list with Jericho and AJ, who've been more consistent before. Fair enough, yeah, because when you put them all against it, like, Bryan has got so much goodwill. (laughs) He's gotten these big pops, but there was a time where he was taken off the shelf. Which helps. That makes you fresher. Yeah, it helps, but for the sake of this conversation, for the sake of this conversation it makes him the first one gone. Yeah. 
it's too bad he had concussion issues, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, no. I'm glad he yeah. didn't come back. Yeah, there's no telling where we'd be. Now, playing. with these two last guys, Styles and Jericho, who do you pick for number one? I'm going to start this off because, Man. in my opinion, what Styles has done with less, arguably, starting off in not as big a company, doing time with the failing WCW. I mean, he got big in Impact, came on some people's radar during Ring of Honor, Got bigger with New Japan, mm-hmm. and now he's in the WWE where he's going to finish out his career. With the club. So, yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's where I would put my vote. Where are you guys at? It, I mean, I, so I, I got to go Jericho. Mm. AJ's been great now, but Jericho is just, it's just, you never know what he's going to do. He's must watch, as I said before, and he's like having incredible matches, and he's champion now. He was champion before, and mm. whoever he works with, he makes look good. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go with Jericho as well, and here's why. If you put AJ Styles at AEW right now, AJ's going to be one of the pillars. He's going to be the man. But in my opinion, you know who's still going to have the strap? Jericho. He's going to be the guy. And at this point right now, talk to me in the next five years. AJ's still got some time left on his career here. I mean, I would argue, I've made the case for Styles, but... Jericho took the bigger gamble going from a guaranteed, you know what you're getting with the WWE mm-hmm. money-wise right. to this new venture that can we make this big. A right. couple of people have mentioned how they don't, didn't, I think it was Santana and Ortiz in an interview, they could have gone to NXT where they'd be part of the mix and move up. Or you can go to AEW and be a part of something where you're making history. Right. And I think the appeal of that is big to them. And and I will say this, too. If this argument was greatest in-ring performer of all time, I love me some Jericho. But AJ Styles would be my number one on that list. Because AJ Styles, in-ring, just in-ring, there's not a finer in-ring performer. But not counting just work rate. When you take the whole package and you're talking about success and the way he's been booked and the aura, that's where you go with Jericho. Sure. Agree. Agree. And guys, I just want to wrap this up by saying thank you for listening to us in 2019. We're going to keep putting out content in 2020. Next week, you got the best of episode, but it's Christmas, New Year's anyways. Hopefully you'll be listening, but mm-hmm. we'll have something for you. It's not, we're going to have lost files. I can finally put in the Matt Coon audio drop that we never got to use. Nice. Might, ha- it, might have an interview, too. We're working on great something. Might have Matt an Coon. interview. I say that. Great interview, Matt Coon. Yeah, and I mean, that was just the thing where we learned that we couldn't do interviews on the phone because the timing wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And AJ will say thank you before listening that we are not the Working Man's <laughs> podcast. Not that, not that I remember it, but hey, he worked for 10 years. I'm just a schlub that edits audio. So, thank you for listening to us this year, and we'll be back for you next year. Take it easy. Good night. Fuck yeah, let's just watch the game. All right. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then, as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor. FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 